Today I have the privilege of continuing our series, Vantage, a look through the book of Ephesians. And today we're going to be jumping into Ephesians chapter 3. For those of you who have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open there. That's where we'll spend the majority of our time. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we have some available for you in the back. We'd love to invite you just to slip back there and grab one. You can use it for today. Or if you don't have a Bible, please take it home. We'd love that to be a gift Uh, for you. We'll also have the scripture up on the screen. Well, for those of you just joining us and catching up, um, this series Vantage, a look through Ephesians. Ephesians is a letter from the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Christian uh, church or churches in Ephesus, which we now know as modern day Turkey. Paul is in prison and he's writing uh, this letter from a Roman jail. And now this church that he's writing to is considered a Gentile church. Now, back in that day, from a Jewish perspective, there were the Jews, God's chosen people. And then there was everyone else who they considered the Gentiles. And as we've discussed in previous weeks, the hatred between the Jews and Gentiles is as bad as it gets. Some of the worst forms of racism and prejudice... However, Jesus has come as the Messiah, the Savior, and through his life, death, and resurrection, he has changed everything. He's opened the door for there to be a new way. He's torn down walls. He's removed hostilities. And as we looked a couple of weeks ago, chapter 2, verse 14, for he, Jesus, he himself is our peace who has made the two groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus is our peace. Through Jesus, we can have peace with God and with our fellow mankind. He's done this miraculous work of taking these two groups, at the time, the insiders and the outsiders, and saying, no, uh uh-uh, not in my kingdom. That doesn't work. That's not going to work. These two groups, they're going to be one. No more walls, no more hostility. Jesus does this great work of including. No one is excluded from the love and the grace of God that is found in Jesus Christ. The invitation to trust, to surrender, to follow is open and available for anyone. And has been so masterfully communicated last week. When we choose to trust in Christ and to give our lives to him, we're not only included, but we're called to be a part. We're given a role to play. And when we accept the invitation to play our part, we invite God's presence to be put on display. To deeply change and move us as a community. So today we're going to pick it up in in chapter 3, verse 1. And where we're going to go today, I I think, may be a little bit surprising. It was surprising for me as I studied through it. I saw some things that I'd really never seen before. And today we're going to shine this huge spotlight on what I believe to be God's best-kept secret. God created this world. He put breath in our lungs. He set us up to be in relationship with him. We messed it up when we brought sin into the picture. So he set his plan of redemption in place through his son, Jesus. 
And we know someday believers of Jesus will reign with him forever in eternity. But right now in this age in which we're living, oh, God has this huge best kept secret. And I can't wait for us to dive into it. So today we're going to pick up again in chapter three, verse one. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace. Okay, hold on a second. It feels like there was a major jump there. That sentence doesn't make any sense. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have. It's like he just skips thoughts. It's as if he's starting to ramp up and get into this thing and something grabs his heart. Something about this idea of the two groups being made one is still resonating with him. And it's as if the spirit whispers, no, 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 not, not yet, Paul. I, I have some other things I need you and I want you to say. And if you don't believe me, check out verse 14 really quickly. It's the same language we find in verse one. For this reason, I kneel before the father. See, I think he picks up the thought that he was starting. Verse one, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, verse 14, kneel before the father. So these verses 2, 13, hold this moment, this, this thing that causes Paul to slam on the brakes and say, wait, hold on a second. We've got to spend some time on this piece here. So I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if they didn't have whiteout back then or if the prison he was in didn't have any extra paper or papyrus or whatever the deal was. But he stops and he just says, all right, well, time out, dash, verse two. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Now, how many of you here like mysteries? Like a good story, like a good mystery? I love mysteries. I grew up reading the Hardy Boys. Anybody else? Hardy Boys, yeah. Or maybe Nancy Drew. People are running in from the hallways say, Hardy Boys, it's awesome. <laughs> Frank and Joe Hardy, I mean, they were where it was at. And then their old buddy Chet, such an annoying loser, always getting his nose in the mix of things. Well, I would camp out on my top bunk in my room and I would just devour these books, just eat them up. I mean, they were the best. And maybe you weren't quite the literary scholar that, that I was, and, and you settled for, settled for more of the lowbrow mysteries of Scooby-Doo. That's okay. That's, that's fine. Still just mysterious in its own way. Whatever the case, mysteries, whether it's a book or it's a movie or it's a story, they have this way of capturing our attention. And we lean in to just find, because we're dying to find, we're trying to find and see that aha moment where we figure it out where it suddenly becomes all clear. And we realize that the, the ghost of Captain Cutler is actually just Captain Cutler himself. And you rip off the mask and, oh, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. All right, so maybe I watched a little bit of Scooby-Doo, but, but not too much. Well, Paul has been gripped by this heavenly mystery. In fact, he's devoted his life to it, even to the point of it landing him in prison. He's wanting Jews and Gentiles alike to have their aha moment. 
And in verse 2, he's saying, surely you've heard of, of my story. I, I, was, I was bad news, okay? I mean, I was a bad guy. I was the guy that was persecuting Christians. I was trying to shut down the church, stop the church. But see, then God did a miracle in me. He literally stopped me in my tracks. He spoke to me. He revealed to me the truth. And so now I'm wanting to pass on that truth, this revelation to you. Now, I've already touched on it, some of this earlier in, in the letter. But, but listen, what I'm really hoping is that you'll start to gain some insight into this mystery of Christ. Which, by the way, has not been made known to people in generations before you. To which I think the, gen, the Gentiles would have leaned in just a little bit. And maybe the floor would have creaked. They freak out. They fall out of the closet. The bad guys capture them. And then it's left to Chet to say, oh, sorry, that's the wrong story. But no, I would imagine the Gentiles would have leaned in. I thought, wait, wait, generations before us didn't, didn't know this, 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 this mystery? Verse 6, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body. And sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The Greek word here for mystery is mysterion. Mysterion. Say that with me. Mysterion. It's not like our Hardy Boy or Nancy Drew or even Scooby-Doo mysteries that have those predictable plot twists that we start to figure out the patterns. I know where this is going. Mysterion means something that is beyond our natural knowledge, our natural ability to comprehend. It's only through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that this mystery can be revealed or understood. It's a mystery that is through the gospel. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. See what Paul is saying here, this, this mystery of Christ, the mystery is, is all wrapped up in this idea, this unbelievable idea of taking these two groups of people that absolutely hate each other, that absolutely can't function together, and bringing them together to be one. To be heirs together. Heirs, as in to share in the riches and the goodness of the kingdom of God, to share in the blessings of Christ. There's no custody dispute here. There's no lines drawn. It is co-heirs together. Share in the blessings. This idea of members together for one body, Paul literally creates a word to say this, a word that doesn't even exist because there was no word to adequately describe how insane this idea of the Jews and Gentiles being on equal playing field or part of one body. This word is sasoma. Say that with me. Sasoma. One more time, come on. Sasoma. There you go. Members together of one body. This was a whole new way. And then finally, sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. What Paul is describing here is the church. Two groups, making them one. This unbelievable creation brought together by tearing down walls, removing barriers of hostility. And this was the secret. This is God's huge, huge secret that no one knew about. No one saw this coming. And quite frankly, it's the thing that I think a lot of people still miss today. 
See, for hundreds and hundreds of years, there was this prophecy of this coming Messiah, a savior. As we've talked about before, the Israelites, the God's chosen people, they went through all kinds of terrible things. Slavery, their city being under siege, uh, being exiled out of their own communities. And as they went and they struggled and there was all kinds of pain and hardship and death and all kinds of things that didn't feel like they were God's chosen people. There was this prophecy in these rumors of this coming Messiah, this savior who was on the way, this unbelievable king who was going to come in glory and power and reign. And his rule, his subjects and his followers would reign with him forever. So there was this, this prophecy, and, and that's what everyone was looking for. So when Jesus came with very humble beginnings, born of a virgin in a manger, in a stable, born to a, a carpenter's family, when he only lived about 33 years, died a, a painful criminal death on a cross, rose from the dead, put the disciples, put normal everyday people in charge and gave them the command. Now go into all of the world as in leave this homeland, leave your precious people, go to the people that you have previously hated and you have distanced yourself from, go into that world and make more disciples. And then he leaves, he ascends to heaven. See, no one saw that coming. This idea of the church, that was God's ultimate best kept secret. People coming together in one spirit, in in unity, setting aside differences, setting aside tradition and customs and politics and prejudice to come under the cross and through the blood of Jesus Christ to be heirs together, to be members of one body together, to be sharers together. This is the mystery of all mysteries. This was the cosmic aha moment that no one saw coming. Now there will be a day where the Messiah, King Jesus, comes again, establishes his kingdom, and his followers will reign with him for forever. But that's the age to come. The age that we're living in right now today, this is the age of the church, and it's the ultimate plot twist that still has some people confused. It's as if you were to sit down and watch the sixth sense with someone and they're looking at Bruce Willis and they still don't get that he's dead. I mean, they're like, huh? Sorry, statute of limitations on spoiler alerts ended a long time ago, 16 years ago, get over it. Okay. So you're sitting there and you're watching the kid. I see dead people and his, you know, his breath's gone. You're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. See, there's some people that it's just, it's still, this just mystery. This doesn't make sense. But see, the realization of the church and how central the church is in the story and in history, the story that God is writing, it is a game changer. This is again what we got hints of in Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship. We were the thing that God was working on. We were his masterpiece, the thing that he created brand new in Christ Jesus so that we would do the good things that he planned for us long ago. This masterpiece that he was putting together of taking these two groups and making them into one to be his church. Verse seven, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. 
and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Paul considers himself the least of, a God, of all of God's people, the most insignificant Christian, the most undeserving. He's letting everyone know, hey, listen, this is how crazy this masterpiece really is that God is talking about. I am the chief of all sinners, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I am the last person who should be called an apostle, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But through God's grace, I'm here to tell you about these boundless riches of Christ. There's no end to them. There's no boundaries to them. And my job is to put in really plain language this best kept secret that God has been keeping for generations so that people may know of his grace. Verse 10, his intent, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And this is the part of the passage that I think just grabbed me in such a new way and in pieces that I had really never seen before. This is how big this secret really was. His intent was now, before now, it, the whole thing is kept under wraps. But now through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom. And by the way, that word manifold, the word there that is used is the same word that is used to describe Joseph's coat of many colors. The very colorful wisdom of God should be made known the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God wants to use the church to show off his colorful wisdom to the rulers of the heavenly realms. The idea of people coming together, colorful people from all walks of life, was a secret that the angels didn't even know. They're not even clued into this plan. I mean, could you imagine being an angel in heaven, all around God's holiness. I imagine a couple angels hanging out. You know, hey, Michael, what's going on? Oh, man, just, just getting back from, you know, some guard duty, some of God's chosen people. Hey, um, have you seen God recently? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I heard he's, he's back in the, the workshop. Wow, yeah, he feels like he's been there like a while. Like, he's really like working on something, huh? Yeah, no, I, I wonder what he's working on. I, see, that's the crazy thing. No one knows. No one has any idea. Maybe he's rethinking that whole mosquito thing. You know, just back to the drawing board on that one. I, no, see, I hear this one is, is actually huge. Someone heard him saying the other day that this is going to be his masterpiece. Really? I mean... God's working on his masterpiece, like now? Wow. Really looking forward to that one. And see, according to his eternal purposes, we, the church, would be not only informing the world, but the rulers and authorities of heaven about the wisdom of God. Author and theologian John Stott once said, it's through the old creation, the universe, that God reveals his glory to humans. It's through his new creation, the church, that he reveals his wisdom to the angels. Verse 12, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, 
not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul's saying, hey, look, you in Jesus, you have everything. Approach God with freedom and confidence. And don't worry about me. Seriously, don't worry. This prison thing, it's fine. It's fine. I would do anything to see the church and the gospel move forward. Listen, if you want to make this suffering worthwhile to me, go out and live this stuff up. Go crazy with this thing. Go and be the church. Take this best kept secret and put a spotlight on it. Don't let it be a secret any longer. So a few observations for us. The church was the ultimate secret of God, the ultimate best kept secret. His masterpiece that he waited to reveal through the work of Jesus Christ. But it's not a secret anymore. It's a masterpiece that is meant to be put on display. And we have got to stop living as if our faith is the secret to be held inside. We're to be like Paul in verse 8 and 9. This grace was given me and you to preach to the Gentiles, preach to the world, the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone. It's our job to make plain the mystery. So please go tell someone. Please help us hold out and open up this best kept secret. When you find that killer restaurant somewhere, that place where you say, oh, this is the best kept secret in blank wherever you are. Oh, they just have the best food, the best service. It's so amazing. It's unbelievable. What's your next step? To tell somebody about it. To bring somebody in to say, hey, I want to share this experience I had with you. This thing's so incredible. You have to try it. You are missing out if you don't check out this place. It's the best kept secret. Those things are meant to be given away. And we are part of the best kept secret in the universe, but it's no longer intended to be a secret. Paul was willing to go to prison to get this secret out. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world who are literally giving their lives away, dying so that this secret would get out. What are we going to do to tell the story out of our lives? How are we going to share? The holidays are approaching and it's probably a time where you will find yourself surrounded with a few more people. People that hopefully you love and that love you and and want to catch up and they're excited to hear about what's been going on in your life. People that are a little bit more open. And this is a great time to talk about the saving grace of Jesus, to make the mystery plain. This is what God has been doing in my life. This is what Jesus means to me. I know some of it seems crazy and it's hard to understand, but I'm just telling you, he is this peace to me. And it's not our job to convert. It's our job to share the story. The Holy Spirit reveals the aha. We just are invited to hold it out and to share. And Mission Point exists to invite everyone everywhere to life in Christ. But like all good mysteries and stories, there is a villain. And Satan has a a role and a mission in the story as well. Satan exists to separate everyone everywhere from life in Christ and from community with each other. 
See, he's been trying to foil this thing from the very beginning. He tried to foil the plan at the garden when he tried to get Adam and Eve separated from God and separated from each other. And he tried to foil the plan at Christmas at Jesus' birth by having King Herod kill all of the male babies that were being born. He tried to kill the child of reconciling hope. He tried to foil the plans at the cross when he, he attempted to distract Jesus and to pull him away and to create doubt. And he put the disciples in chaos, causing them to doubt and to flee. And he's been trying to separate people from God and from each other since the beginning. And he does this with you and he does this with me. He does this in our families. He works to separate us and to pull us apart. He does this in our nations with war or partisanship. He does this in our own hearts with temptation or with addictions. And you can be someone that lets the thief come in and steal and kill and destroy. Or you can be someone that takes a stand and confesses and repents. Someone that opens himself up to community and to accountability in your life. Someone who lives out this, this verse 12 in Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we can approach God with freedom and confidence because you're in, pri- in Christ and say, I'm a masterpiece of God and Satan has nothing on me. Satan's already lost the war. Don't let him win the battle for your heart. Don't let him succeed in his mission. Come together in community. Come together in Christ. Hold out this story. See, as we broadcast to the world, God brags to the heavens. It's almost as if God is saying, okay, okay, okay. Now, everyone, come in, come on. Come on, come on, sit down, sit down. I want you to watch this. Peer, peer over and take a look at this. It's, it's going to be amazing. You see, all of them, they're going to come together. These people that have hated each other and they've been separated and they've had all these issues. They're going to come together under the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. And they're going to start doing the hard work of learning what it means to serve each other and to care for each other and to love each other. And the world around them is going to know that they are mine through their love. Uh, And Satan, hey, come here. This is for you too. Seriously, in your face. Come on, check this out. This is my church. This is the masterpiece. Watch as I bring people who should have been separated and they come back together and they come back to life. That's the church. Watch as I bring people who are just completely unlike each other and should have no reason to come together, come together in one new family. That is the church. Watch as I bring these people, these broken, sinful people, and they come out of their brokenness and out of their addictions, and they don't let the things of their past define them, but they lean into them and leverage them for the sake of the gospel. See, that is the church. And that's my plan. And that is what I have created. And I want you to check this out. While growing up reading the the Hardy Boys, I also consumed a steady diet of NBA basketball. And of course, was a a Hawks fan. Loved the human highlight film, Dominique Wilkins. He was my man. Uh, But also loved Dominique's good friend, Michael Jordan. And every year, right around my birthday, the Bulls would always come to Atlanta and play the Hawks. And so my dad would... Uh, take my brother and me and we'd watch and it was just like being in basketball heaven. I seriously didn't even care who won. It was just amazing to watch Neek and MJ just go back and forth and spar on the court. It was incredible. Well, later in uh, Michael Jordan's career, um, during the 90, 1998 Eastern Conference Finals, 
I'll never forget this. It was right after game six. And this is against the Pacers. And the Pacers had just won, tied it up three games to three. It was coming down to the decisive game seven. And Michael Jordan stood at the podium and he guaranteed a win for game seven. And he came through. And see, God did the same thing. He guaranteed victory. And he will win through the church. As his gospel goes out, people come in connecting with him, connecting with each other. So as we live and as we hold out this story, all eyes are on us. The heavens are watching to see what we will do. The world around us is watching to see what we will do. About 30 years ago, um, there's a missionary, Johan Lucas. He was the director of the Belgian Evangelical Mission at the time. And he just came to the conclusion that the, the gospel evangelism just wasn't working. No matter what they tried in terms of their methodology, they just were not moving anything forward very effectively. So he and his wife, they, they kind of retreated and they went back to the scriptures and they just went back to prayer and just poured over, God, how should we do this? How could we break through? What could we possibly do that could open up progress in the gospel here? So they had this idea and they gathered a group of believers together, Belgian, Dutch, and Americans, and they invited them to come. All were welcome to come and rent this house together, to all live under one roof together. And so a group did that. And sure enough, pretty quickly, the honeymoon period wore off and all of these cultures and personalities started to irritate each other. There started to be friction and tension. And that's where they jumped in and they said, hey, let's, let's do this differently. Let's just begin to pray for each other. Anytime we feel this sense of tension or this sense of friction, let's just pause and let's just commit this to prayer, whatever it may be. And they just committed themselves to just this steady routine of living together, doing life together, praying for one another. And after about six, seven months, they started to see some unbelievable fruit. Outsiders of their home, people in the community began to identify them as, oh, hey, there's, there's the people that love each other. There, there's those crazy people that take care of each other. And that's it. That's the gospel at work. That's the best kept secret being brought to life. That the groups could be made one. So we create events like Love Blitz to help facilitate these kinds of moments to share the gospel within our community. And as I said before, it's so beautiful to see that take place. And I'm sure we'll always play a role as a church in facilitating and bringing together those kinds of things. But the ultimate dream, if I'm honest, the ultimate dream is this, this idea of Fort Kosciuszko. It would be this organic outpouring of every one of our lives, of our hearts. And it wouldn't require an event. It wouldn't require a sign-up. It would just be the thing that is happening. It would be the story that we are holding out. It would be the love that we are sharing. It would be the moments that we would just pause and we would pray through tension and we'd pray through struggles. And we would just say, how can we approach this in the way that Christ would want us to? How can we be heirs together? How can we be members of one body? How can we be sharers together? And that people would start to look around and go, oh, there's those, there's those mission point people, those crazy people that actually love each other. 
And God and all of the heavenly realms would be peering over and saying, that's my church. That's the plan. That's my masterpiece. Don't wait for an event. Don't wait for a moment. Create one. If you've been frustrated because the love blitz filled up and your time wasn't available or the thing you wanted to do wasn't available, that's okay. Do something else. Create a moment in the context of your own spheres of influence. Don't wait for the perfect moment to share the gospel because guess what? It won't come. That's the work of the enemy. That's his distraction at play. Oh, don't say anything yet. It'd be too tense. It'd be too hard. Certainly we want to be sensitive and we want to be caring. But if we always give up these excuses of, oh, we'll, we'll get to that next time. Oh, there'll be a better moment later. That moment won't come. We want to be people that hold out, boldly hold out this invitation. And what we do with inviting everyone everywhere, like us and unlike us, not only broadcasts hope to the world, but it brags on God's brilliance to the heavens. Share the love and grace of Jesus. Extend the hope in the community of the church. Best kept secrets are meant to be shared. And in Jesus, we've been included. We've been invited to play a part. And now we have an opportunity to invite others. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your plan. And thank you for the privilege it is to be sitting in this time, in this space, in the story of the universe. Where we get to be a part of your church a part of the very thing that you call masterpiece. Father, I pray that we would be so bold in opening up this best kept secret and holding out the story, sharing the peace of Jesus with those around us. God, help us to to step up in our desire to repent and to confess and to open up accountability in our lives so that Satan would lose all power in this place. God, help us to commit to the community of the church and what it means to do life together so that people around us would be able to see you through our love. Lord, we know one day we will reign with you forever in glory and power But God, today I believe we have a special moment and I ask that you would help us to grab a hold of it. In Christ's name, amen.